to the Pedagogy Podcast. I'm your host, 2021 State Teacher of the Year for New Jersey, Angel Santiago. And on this episode, we have a very special guest, a good friend of mine, South Jersey music teacher and the founder of the Team Cole Project, Mr. Chris Hanna. Chris, how are you? Good. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing fine. Uh, it's a beautiful day outside, and I get to talk to a, a good buddy of mine about his project. So uh, anytime that I get to do that, is a good day. So um, I know Absolutely. all about you. Uh, it's been a couple years that you and I, you and I, have been friends. Um, but for those of us who don't know who Chris Hanna is, let's start off by you know telling us where you teach and what you teach. I'm an elementary school music teacher, uh, music K to five at Dr. Many's Elementary School in Vineland. Awesome. So my duties are general music. Um, I'm also the the coordinator and the director of a lot of clubs. And uh, the last couple of years, we've implemented this thing called the Team Cole Project. Awesome. And, and you know, music being something that you and I have connected on on different levels for very many years. One of my favorite subjects in school, and I'm sure many of your, your students share the same sentiment about music. It is a universal language. It is very important. The arts are extremely important in the development of our students. Um, I want to know a little bit of, of background about you. Where'd you grow up and, and how did you get into education and teaching? I grew up in Millville, right next door to, uh, to where I teach now. Um, it's kind of funny because I had a music teacher when I was a, a kid in school, I, I suffered from some speech impediments and even 42 years later, I still, at times I get caught up in myself, but, um, it was a music teacher when I was in third grade. I'll never forget his name is Mr. Tagney. Um, he taught me the trombone and what he had taught me was about more about self-confidence and, and believing in myself because I, because I talked different than the other kids in my class and I sounded different when I sang and when I spoke, I at times would shut down a little bit. And uh, he kind of got me to break that barrier through my music and magically, like over those couple of years that I had him as a teacher, I started to improve because I didn't even realize that my self-confidence was growing because I realized I was really good at something. And then the more I would start talking at home or the more I would start talking you know, to friends in school and participating in class in, in a whole different level. And then I realized, you know, I, this guy really changed who I was as a person. And um, since I was about eight or nine years old, I knew that I wanted to be a music teacher, you know, because I just kind of hoped that I could do the same thing, you know, because it, it really was amazing. Very awesome. And I, and I think that's a common thread with most of, most of the educators who I've talked to. It's been either a, an event or speaking with a role model or a mentor that really changed their focus. And you're fortunate enough fortunate enough to knew, to know that at an early age, most most teachers and most people uh, really have to work out that journey and it takes a while, but that, that that's amazing. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about your Team Cole project. Uh, I know it's focused around so many aspects of social emotional learning, which we know now is extremely important for our students um, to be exposed to. But let's start off with the beginning of the project. How did this project come about? So um, I was in a period of my life that I wanted to adopt a new dog. And one of the things that I've always uh, taken pride in as a teacher is I'm very transparent about things that I do in life to show my students that, you know, I'm, I'm a real person. I'm an individual. Um, so 
I logged on to the, the SPCA website. The very first dog that I saw said it was special needs and it was a puppy. And I, I went and met him. And it turns out that the special need was that he was born deaf. Well, I have a, a deaf nephew. Um, Kevin is now 13, but at the time he was nine years old and he was going through kind of a rough patch. Uh, his sister, my niece, Molly had passed away when she was just 12 years old, uh, a few years prior. And, uh, Kevin was young. So I don't necessarily know that, you know, he understood and processed a lot of that, but, um, when I found this dog that had this special need, um, I was so excited and I went to the shelter and met the puppy, fell in love, decided that he had to be part of my family. But the interesting part was because of in the world of dog rescue, puppies always get adopted first. Like absolutely, everybody wants a puppy, but nobody would adopt this little dog. He was at the shelter for about six weeks before I met him. And the day that I had met him, there was another family, actually two families, but the one family asked me why I would want to adopt him because he was broken. And when I heard the words broken, I immediately kind of thought of my nephew and I thought about um, my niece, Molly, who just because he had Down syndrome, she, she still loved everything and everyone equally. It didn't matter what their appearance was, that the fact that they couldn't hear or maybe they walked a little different. And um I, I just absolutely fell in love with the idea of this, this dog. And I was so excited to come back the next day. And I was showing pictures of the puppy to all of my students. I hadn't decided on a name yet. So we actually did a school-wide vote on his name. Um, the advantage of being a special subjects teacher is I get to see the entire school population. So I had, in the course of the week that it was before I picked um, Harry Potter, was his name from the shelter, before I picked up Harry Potter, I was able to see all of my students in the building and they all saw the pictures. And I told them about the movie, Mr. Holland's Opus, about a music teacher with a deaf son um, whose name was Cole after John Coltrane. They all kind of unanimously decided that Cole has to be his name. But the amazing part that had happened was they became so inquisitive about special needs. They became so inquisitive about why would somebody label something as broken? And that's a concept that is, it's difficult to teach at times to, um, if they're not exposed or experienced with it, then it's, it's very, very difficult to get students to understand differences of maybe special needs or, you know, a multitude of things. And the conversations and the questions and the, the eye-opening that I was receiving from my, my students, whether it was a five-year-old or a, you know, a 10 or 11 year old in fifth grade, I was able to just have these, these heartfelt conversations, you know, they would, they would ask questions about my nephew and what's his life like? Is he bullied because he has machines on his ears? Your niece, Molly, can you tell us about her? And, and it was all through this puppy and I hadn't even picked him up yet. You know, he was still at the, the animal shelter because there's about a week that you have to wait till he got fixed and all this kind of stuff. And he just became an integral part of conversation before I even like technically had him in my own possession. And, you know, he, this is the first place that we ever stopped at. We didn't even go home first. We came right to many school and I came and dropped them, uh, dropped them off in the front lobby. And the whole lobby was full of teachers, kids. It was amazing. You know, they opened their arms and their minds and their hearts to this little puppy but just the way that the 
the program has evolved so organically through experiences from children, which I'm sure we'll get into. Um, it's it it's just been, for lack of a better term, almost magical as an educator to see the walls of students coming down and the uh, the openness that they're giving with with their minds and um, and the questions the. <laughs> The understanding, you know, it's it's what every educator dreams of having those moments, and I've been able to live now three years of these moments with my students that have been unbelievable, and it's every day, honestly. Absolutely, and I think it's one of the the benefits of teaching in elementary school because most of these questions from our kids are completely authentic mm -hmm. for the for the sake of curiosity and learning Absolutely. and there's no bias attached to it there's no there's no hidden agenda when they ask questions about things such as disabilities or race or mm -hmm. or um, injustice it's because they are genuinely curious yes uh, and that is one of the I think the highlights of teaching elementary school um, so we talked about you know Cole being such a big part of your school community and your school environment, uh, how have you learned to utilize Cole in your own classroom with your own students? That's where I feel like it's the strengths of this program have really come out. Um, it's much more than just a, a therapy dog in a school. Um, he's an integral part of almost every single one of my lessons. So I'll, I'll use an example. Um, Two years ago, my principal was doing an observation like the first week of school. And one of the students was super shy about um, about opening up and participating. We we're doing like a vocalization warm up and all this kind of stuff. And she actually heard another student tell us the next student that it's OK if you if you make a mistake, because it's all about acceptance. Remember what Cole teaches us. It's about acceptance. And I had no idea this conversation was taking place. I couldn't hear what the student was saying to the other kid. And it's it's little things like that where they take Cole's life journey and we relate it into that of human experiences. So Cole, as a, a registered and, and certified therapy dog, uh, we work with veterans, we do hospice patients, but we've had a lot of encounters because of the fact that he is a pit bull breed dog and being born deaf that you know we we do face that breed let um that the breed discrimination per se and what i do instead of getting aggravated or um, unmotivated when when something like that happens i try to turn it into a a learning life lesson for students to relate to it in their own lives you know, there was a time when we were trying to visit a hospice patient and we were denied entry into the building because of the receptionist said that he's going to scare everyone. And they made us walk all the way around the building. We had like numerous staff members asking us and requiring all these IDs and we have them all. He's registered, he's certified. I'm wearing the badges, he's wearing the badges. He's got the vest on. He's been temperament tested. He's fully insured above and beyond. Um, they made us walk outside and it was 101 degrees that day. And he had actually got burns on the bottom of his feet from the pavement. So when we went back and school started and I told the kids about 
the experience, then that's when the conversations begin. Because then they're like, well, I, I would say, how does this relate to someone of, of a human nature? And it's amazing. It doesn't matter if they're five or if they're, they're 11 or 12, the conversations that then come out, whether it would be, you know, the color of skin, someone who walks differently, um, someone that talks differently, they, they, they look through Cole's eyes and they, they try to put their life experiences through Cole's eyes, but it also, in, in, in reality, they use his perseverance and the story of his perseverance to help encourage their own, which has been a remarkable thing to see and to experience on, on a pretty much a daily basis. I have a, a story. I have two twin boys in our school, both of which have alopecia. So the boys um, since kindergarten progressively have lost more and more hair. The one, the one boy, Lucas has literally no hair in his body and kids obviously are going to say things about that. They're going to make assumptions. And this young boy came to me and was the first year of the project full-time in school. And he said, Mr. Hanna, um, tomorrow is my eighth birthday. Can I team up with Cole in order to talk to a kindergarten class? Because some of the kids have been talking about me on the school bus. And he said, I'm afraid to do it, but if I can stand with Cole, I think I have the, the courage to stand up and talk to the class about the fact that I look a little bit different. And I said, absolutely. You know, I went and I talked to the guidance counselor and I said, you know, you might want to come in. Let's, let's do this. And he escorted Cole with his, you know, grabbing Cole's leash. They came into the music room and the boy at eight years old for his eighth birthday literally stood up. But the amazing part was the way that the kids started having legitimate conversation and legitimate um, barrier breaking about stereotypes just because this boy looked a little bit different and the questions that they would ask but the amazing part the amazing part was he then turns around when we're finished and he said i think i want to talk to more kids about this and he ends up in the course of that week because that was a monday by friday i had brought into the library we have a big well pit area of seating he literally spoke to entire grade levels. He, every day of the week, he went and met with kindergartens, first grade, second, all the way through fifth graders. And an eight-year-old boy standing in front of a hundred fifth graders could be, be terrifying to a child. But he was so willing. And the, the really cool part of the whole thing was the questions that they were asking because they didn't want to make a mistake by thinking and, and assuming something about him. And it broke so many barriers in our building that day. And it's, it's had a lasting effect. And it's, it's stuff like that all the time. We have a, a little girl with dwarfism. And the mom asked if for World Dwarfism Day, if I would allow her to team up with Cole to, to read a little book to her classmates, which then, of course, turned into, you know, other classes as well, because she gained so much courage by it. And she learned so many things about herself, but she has that courage of being different and, and it's, it's celebrating the difference. But the biggest thing that we see is allowing children to live through the lens of Cole's eyes and, and be able to, to put that correlation of the two of them together. It's, it's been uh, an amazing journey to say the least. And every day it seems like it's getting 
stronger and stronger and I never thought it could. And it's just, it's been unreal. Absolutely. Uh, if for those of us who are listening, if you hear the snoring, <laughs> it's because Cole is passed out on Chris's yes, lap. I'm, I apologize. Uh, but I have to, uh, no, no, you're <laughs> fine. It's, it's an amazing sight to see uh, just the bond that you two have and how he feels completely safe and enough to pass out <laughs> in the middle of you talking. But uh, I have to agree with you. When we talk about the pit bull breed, I, I used to have a pit bull myself. Um, the biases that a majority of the media have, uh, you know, have put against this pit, pit bull breed, this, 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 this type of uh, dog and, and how the pit bull has basically become a symbol for most disenfranchised uh, populations, whether it be, you know, people of color or, yes. um, you know, other people because, um, because of the strength and loyalty of the dog breed, anyone who actually has any experience with it, with those dog breeds, understand that there's so much more than the violence you see on the media. And I feel like a lot of, you know, these disenfranchised populations relate to that because there's just so much more. There's loyalty, there's intelligence, there is, uh, right. there is, you know, just so much more to that breed. And, and, and Cole was a perfect embodiment. He's he's got such a great temperament. I see him just passed out right now in your He's arms. actually he, he, um, he's awake now. He's just kind of he's kind oh, of yeah? reading my lips. I think he reads facial expressions oh. and lips. Um, but about the pit bull thing, like you said, I really think and I I truly believe that our success has been primarily because of that. And when the pandemic started, we were so fortunate enough to be on a lot of national media. Um, we, we went viral on a lot of different things for the work that we did during the pandemic and good morning America and entertainment tonight and the Rachel ratio, all these different things. But once that happened, there were a lot of anti people groups that, um, came out in full forces. But again, I, I took that opportunity and I'm talking, they literally emailed the entire school district, not just one person, they, the board of education, upper administrations, everything. And the amazing part is the, um, the support that we have through everyone just kind of rallying to realize the, the importance of this project in our buildings. Um, so I took that, that discrimination that we were then experiencing and again, turned it into the appropriate conversations for students, because there was a lot of, of social unrest at that time. It's when a lot of things started to really unfold and there was a lot of doubt and a lot of, um, a lot of people who, and especially children who were very unsure of the future of what's going on in our world. And we turn that into conversations through, again, through Cole's lens of his eye. And when I spoke to the kids about the way that these people were saying these things and doing these things, so many kids took it upon themselves. I'm sitting there getting email after email with students writing their own like little essays and, and sharing the, the Google document with me because they were so upset that, that somebody would even think that about their coal. And I, I say their coal because each, each child in this building owns a little piece of coal, you know, whether it's the day before we left for the pandemic and we realized that we were going to be closing our doors for an extended period of time. I had a little boy, Daniel, who was in my classroom, and I noticed right before class ended that he was picking fur off of the floor. And Cole doesn't really shed much, but Cole was laying down next to him, and there were like scraggly little pieces of coal fur, and he was putting them in his pocket. And at the end of class, when everybody else left, I, I kind of pulled him aside, 
buddy, what's up with that? And he goes, I, I'm, I'm not going to see Cole for a while. And I know that I can take a piece of him with me. And that like rips your heart out. But in the same token, it's been so advantageous because during this remote learning, during this pandemic, him being so integral in their lives has actually helped these students succeed during this time, during this, this time of being so unsure of what our world is, what's happening in our world and what our world is becoming. And he's giving them like a very solid foundation that there is something there that they can count on and they will find a way to, to reach out to him and he's going to do the same back. And it makes every child feel important. And that's what is so um, meaningful to us is to make every child feel loved and important because they are. So um, we're, we're so lucky to have this program, to have the support that we do um, to help students succeed in a different way. You know, I think it's very unique. It's a very out of the box way of educating children about certain subjects and topics. But um, we're, we are super, super lucky to have the district wide and not just district, but community. And the it's just unreal every day. And you know, we count our blessings all the time. And we look forward to the, the days that we can get in here and, and do it the way we always do it. You know, and but at least we know that we've given those kids that sense of uh, of courage and perseverance. Absolutely, and then you know, you, you touched upon one of the questions I was going to ask you, and you, we talk about feedback, and we know that the community, you know, supports the program one hundred and ten percent. When we talk about outside the community, we talked a little bit about negative feedback from people who may have had biases. But at what point? Did you know that this project was bigger than just Dr. Many School? That was that this project was highly successful and that, you know, that the sky was the limit. When Read Across America Week is very, very big to me and very prominent in my building. So Dr. Seuss's birthday, we do a big celebration. I did a project about writing a comic book with my nephew, my deaf nephew, and Cole as the main characters, the stars. And I didn't want to write it entirely myself. So I actually got the help of my classes and it was going to just be a couple of my fifth grades, but they came up with so many great ideas. And it was a project that we worked on for two weeks, pretty much for the entire building, like second through fifth grade. So at 380 kids worked on it with me and it was brainstorming. It was everybody's contributing coming up with characters, plots. And we were so lucky that the Daily Journal um, picked up the story. We were on the cover of the, news, the local newspaper here, but then USA Today picked it up. So it ended up being nationwide. And there was a school in Swedesboro, Governor Stratton School, that reached out to us because they had a young boy, a lot like my nephew, who just got his first cochlear implants and was having a really hard time with it. He felt very different. Uh, because of the mag, if you don't think about cochlear implants, kids have, it's a big machine on the back of their ear, but they also have uh, magnets essentially in the, their skull. So the little wire and the connector sits on top of their skull. And he was really, really unsure of himself. Um, this little boy's name was Geo. So they reached out through the reporter that did the story. She put them in touch with us and they asked if we would come speak. And I said, yeah, I, I, you know, I'll talk to my administration. I took a personal day. We packed coal up um, and we went and we spoke at the school. When we walked into the school, the vestibule had a giant banner of coal on it, like walking through the door. 
we meet the teacher and she's wearing a coal shirt that they had printed up. Well, little did I know that the school had Cole's shirts made and printed. And, and it said deaf dogs here with their hearts and it has his name on the front. And I was so, I was actually brought to tears while I'm walking behind this lady. She's escorted me into the all purpose room to do our, our first assembly. And um, we, we did the assembly, we, we did our presentation and then Gio's parents were also there. They invited this little boy's family and they all came up afterwards. And it was so reaffirming to hear the words that came out of the, not just this little boy's mouth, but his family and the appreciation but the fact that this little boy felt so special that day. And about six weeks later, we did another presentation at uh, a school for, for hearing challenged students in Philadelphia called the Clark School. And they worked with this little boy and his actual therapist, speech therapist was working that day. And she's the one that arranged it. And little did I know that she worked one-on-one -on -one with Gio and, um, she just kept talking to us about how he has turned around 180 degrees for the day that we walked in those doors. And we got emails and, and staying in touch. And it was truly, um, we knew we were on a path that was going to make a difference. And it was that minute that day that the Team Cole project essentially organically came about. Um, and to this day, that school, that poster is still hanging in their vestibule. There's a big picture of me with all the kids in the classes. And it just has spiraled from that. And every place that we are able to go to, you know, the tri-state area, essentially, um, we get such amazing feedback because, again, like I had said before, it's relating life stories in a way that children will, will openly relate to. And it, breaking down those walls of getting children and adults to understand and want to understand. You have to break the walls down to want to understand sometimes. And we're very able to do that through this story because it's so unique and the way that we're, you know, we're putting our life experiences and the work that we do into a way for people, whether it's high school, because we do presentations from K to 12 and some of our best conversations have been high schools, you know, with obviously the conversations get much deeper, you know, racial things. Um, more conversation about special needs and the stereotypes of special needs. Um, it's it's amazing to hear what people are willing to talk about, but they have to they have to put that wall down sometimes first. And we're able to to break that wall. It's amazing what a little four legged furry guy can do. Right, buddy. Yeah. So that's amazing. I, I you know having the the access and and really developing basically a presentation to show not just your district but the community outside your district is something that I have to applaud you on uh, because it does take time it does take effort and planning on top of your teaching duties which as every teacher knows this job isn't easy you know so um, I have a question what does the future look like for team Cole what do you have planned for the near future to maybe a plan for years beyond? Because of the way that everything has just unfolded so organically, literally our entire journey has just been one thing, uh, one page of a book turned over and then another page of the book just turns over. And it's, 
whether it's you know being on the media as much as we have and and our our story literally being worldwide we did a, a survey for a project that i was doing for my students i wanted to see where our fans were on our social media and literally we counted all 50 states and then every continent except antarctica not sure they have wi-fi and then um like i counted like 64 different countries that we had a a fan base from and that's unbelievable that we are our story and our mission has reached so far um i would love and and an ultimate goal is to be able to do our project and to touch as many new jersey schools as we can and we've we've had so much success with every school that we've been at to do our presentations we we meet every student one on one they all get to meet cole the school gets a cole poster we give every child a cole bracelet every child a cole trading card but I had a Cole's birthday is in November and I had a, a parent who was a professional um, culinary artist that reached out to us through our social media and said, you know, my boys have not stopped talking about Cole since you came to his school a year ago. They know because his birthday is on his card. They're, his card's still hanging on their bedroom wall. And they asked if I would make Cole a cake. And she literally made Cole a culinary statue of himself out of modeling chocolate and all this stuff so we drove an hour and a half to go get it and meet with this family and, and it's it's the fact that we our message is sticking and it's lasting and we're still in touch with so many of those schools and teachers reach out to us about sensitive topics how do i how do i approach this sensitive topic you know you've empowered my students um when we were on the rachel ray show i got videos from teachers of schools up north that their their classes wanted to congratulate us and you know a, a place that i visited one time for for three or four hours having that much compassion and that much um spirit about the team cole project and then reaching out to to just congratulate us like that's amazing that they're following our journey like that closely and that step by step and we just hope that we can continue to get out there to be ambassadors for social emotional learning in a very, very different way. And I, you know, I, I truly love using Cole in my music room, but it's beyond just that. Um, he is so integral in everything that we do, but it's, it's a building wide movement here. It's a district wide movement in Vineland that he has such a, a big, strong basis for, like I said, it's, all over the place and we hope to be able to really spread those wings and to really to to blanket over such an area in order to help inspire these conversations and to help teachers you know help teachers learn to break those walls and to break those barriers because you have to find a way you know you want to make every one of your students feel important and like they belong and school togetherness is such an important thing for me and every one of those kids, our chronic absenteeism improved drastically the year that Cole started working in the building. And like I said before, therapy dogs are wonderful, wonderful, useful tools. And I'd love to work with the State Department of Education to spearhead therapy dog use in more schools in New Jersey. But the fact that Cole has a special need and the, the, the fact that he has a disability, which isn't a disability, it's really, as the kids say, it's a superpower. 
um, it it's it's helped so much more just because of that. And we we truly hope that we can continue to just spread our message and to help educators, to help parents. We've had so many parents reach out to us about sensitive topics. How how can we address this? How can we do this? And you know, we're we're so humbled that we have such an outcry from from people in education to administrators to you know parents, just community members wanting to know, you know, how can we relate a certain scenario with Cole to help, you know. It's it's just it's unbelievable. Like it, it, it really is. Absolutely. So now that you have your project, it's full up and running, and the knowledge that you have, have acquired with working with Cole and the project. What are some aspects of education that that you'd like to see changed? Um, I think during this during this time of, especially during the time of the pandemic, it's been eye opening. Um. We do regular drive visits of our neighborhoods. Now, Vineland is a very socioeconomically challenged area in places. And it's been eye-opening, I think, for a lot of educators that have been going out in their own community. And I think that that link of community involvement um, is only going to help the end result of an educational process. I really think that when we we hop into what we call the coal mobile um, and we drive these neighborhoods for hours because it takes hours to get through our school map essentially and to see where our students are coming from and to see the environment that they're in which a lot of us are seeing while we're teaching virtually we're seeing what their environment it is uh, you know and a lot of us never would have known that had we not had this opportunity through the pandemic you know, in virtual learning to see what it is that our, our kids essentially go home to. So we want, I would love to see education um, really endorse compassion with our educators, endorse um, looking outside the box to, to break the walls of student emotion and to, to encourage that that conversation and to encourage it in a way that's going to work for you. This works for us, but to find that way to, to socially and emotionally break the barriers of children, because so many of them have walls that are up. They are, we live in a world of social media of judgment. Students are afraid to do certain things because of the judgment of their peers. And we're talking, and I experienced this, we're talking as young as five years old, and I'm sure it's younger, to see children who are, are shy to, to do things that they love because of judgment. They're worried about the comments. They're worried about how many likes they get on a post. And I think we all need to, um, to utilize that information to, to become more successful as educators to put the human emotion back into education and to get that connection with kids. You know, I think that would be, um, the end result would be just incredible. Absolutely. And I think that you put it perfectly when we say, when we talk about putting the human emotion back into teaching, the whole SEL movement is basically revolves around that, to look at the situation as more than just data. Don't get me wrong, data is very important, uh, but to really address mm -hmm 
the needs that go above the academics. Um, like you said before, there are kids who go home to situations that are not necessarily ideal, and it may not be the parents' fault. Maybe they are working three, four jobs because economically they mm -hmm. have to work three, four jobs. And, uh, and to understand each other, for the community to understand the institution of education and for the teachers and the institu institution of education to understand the family. For more communal work, for more teamwork between the two, uh, the, the two tribes, I'd like to say, is is integral. Mm -hmm. it's, it has to happen, and I see a future of us moving towards that, um, and it really revolving around social emotional learning. Uh, but anyway, um, absolutely. I would like to kind of flip the script a little bit. We've learned about your coal project. We know who you are as an educator. Uh, I like to do a personal segment because I want to remind our listeners and our families and even our students who sometimes forget that we're regular human beings. Um, that yep, we, we shop at Walmart and Target like everybody else. <laughs> that we are regular human beings. Um, and in this case, not regular human beings, but also pets as well, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Canines. Um, just a couple things about you and Cole that are personal to you um, and that you know show a little bit of a human side. Uh, so we'll start with the first one. This one's for Cole. Uh, what's Cole's favorite spot in your classroom? Oh boy, um, that he, he has his own chair with his name. They they put heat vinyl transfer in front of his his own beanbag chair. It says Cole's chair. Um, if I'm not with students, that's his spot, like 100. percent If there are students in a room, my students sit on a musical carpet with squares around the outside, and he gets he kind of finds the person he wants to be with and he wants to be next to and lean generally leaning his head on a kid's lap. And then he'll get up and kind of rotate students, which is great. Um, but when there's students in a the room, there's students Trump dad, like, you know, but uh, <laughs> when we're teaching virtually, he actually has his own computer. I put a webcam on him. So he logs, yeah, he logs into zoom or Google meets and that way the kids are in touch with him too. So they see him and you know, the motivation of my students having Cole visually there for them is uh, it's it's so useful as a tool. And, you know, it's a reminder that he's he's always there, you know, so. Absolutely. Uh, with Cole, what's your fa favorite activity to, to do with him in your class? Is there a musical activity or something of that nature that you use Cole for? Um, the... The thing that I love the most, it's it's two. One is when he marches around my room. So when I my students come in, I the time they're waiting outside my door, I start playing the piano and they march in, my younger ones. And he literally gets into the line and marches <laughs> in behind the kids, single file. You know, I have sometimes I have a little red wagon. Sometimes I put him in a little red wagon. I pick a student of the day. They get to pull him around the musical carpet while they're marching. Um, but I think my favorite thing to do is I have a, a wooden doghouse that I built with a big cutout inside and it's just a flat panel. And I have different signs that I made for it. And one of them says free hugs, free high fives. Um, I care about you. Um, tell me, tell me something good today. And as the kids come in and I'm talking fifth grade all the way down to K each kid stops. And if it's free hug day, they will, they will all hug him. Or if it's, tell me something good day they will literally address to him something kind or something good that they did that day and they know deep down that he can't hear them but they look through all of that and i think because he can't hear that they are so 
willing and open to to do it you know so i i love sitting back and just watching that take place and then they go into my room and you know we begin our our lessons but to see the look on their faces and to know that they woke up that morning excited because they get to come into the music room that day you know that's that's what it's all about that's you know? amazing that's amazing um so the this next question these next questions are more for you what are some of the hobbies that you that you enjoy outside of school? I am an avid fisherman. I I love to kayak fish. So uh, you can catch me in the summertime and in the spring, on a on a Sunday morning or a Saturday morning. I'm definitely on the water. So does Cole accompany um, you? Cole has his own raft because <laughs> he's too big for my kayak now. And I have a I have a pedal driven kayak that's all fancy and and everything. So I actually loop the little raft next to me. And yes, he does he does accompany me on uh, on kayaking <laughs> on kayaking trips. And he's funny. He just sits there and just looks around. And you know he's he's super chill. And that's one of Chris's many hobbies. He's also a part time DJ, and that's how I got to get to know him because I work with him. Yes. Uh, and I've learned a lot from Chris uh, when it comes to music. Um, if you could be in another profession, what would it be? Wow. Um, a full-time motivational speaker. Uh, I think you're honestly. pretty good at that, to tell you the truth. Uh, it, honestly, and it's funny because I never would have thought that three years ago until mm -hmm. this until this world has unfolded for me. It's changed my entire mentality and my entire thinking of life in general. Um, but it, it's become a, a pipe dream of sorts. And it's, I guess, in a way that it's kind of unfolded, you know, but to be able to, to do that and to a, a dream would be five days a week to literally be in a different environment doing my programs and talking to students and hopes to inspire them. Awesome. Uh, do you have a favorite book or a book that you've been reading now? Um, it, it's kind of funny. It's, uh, it's El Defo. And the whole comic book idea that came about um, <laughs> when CC wrote the book, it became a, a favorite of my nephews. He's super into graphic novels. So um, it's about a girl who becomes a superhero with her deafness. And uh, my nephew kind of turned me on to it when we, we bought him a copy for just to surprise him one night. And um, I always go back to that. And I always go, like, if I need that, that uplifting and that motivation it's it's a simple graphic novel for you know for kids but it's uh it's definitely near and dear to my heart because i kind of feel like some of the things that we've done have been inspired through it so there's a i just got the, the deluxe edition um with some stories behind it from the author which has been great you know um and i read pieces of it to my classes and they know how much i love it so Absolutely. for the <laughs> For the listeners of other grade levels, a healthy dose of an uh, elementary education uh, teacher revolves around <laughs> young novels, young children's novels and chapter books. Yep. So, I mean, yep. because if we're going to teach them, we also have to have to uh, read them. And some of them actually end, end up being some of my favorite books that I, I wasn't, you know, I didn't get to uh, read when I was in school, but I read them now because I'm teaching English language arts. So, um, you know, don't don't make fun of us for reading kids books because we have to and we enjoy them. <laughs> I have an entire library in my house of children's books, especially character education books and, and things that, 
involve, you know, something that I can turn into like a social emotional conversation. Like so many of my music classes, I still, I still take that little bit of time and, and to read as much literature to the kids as I can, you know, cause I think it's so important to have that, that imaginative basis and, you know, within, within themselves. And it's, uh, and, and I have to admit, I enjoy reading to the kids. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and it's funny that you mentioned like graphic novels because there is a psychologist, a child psychologist, school psychologist by the name of Paul Caccini, Caccini, I'm sorry, who lives in Vineland. His, his wife, Sue, is one of my favorite teachers. And he wrote a, gra a, a novel based on superheroes who, uh, it's a character novel called The Essentials, uh, based on superheroes who, um, their disability or what makes them different is part of what powers them as a superhero. So, uh, mm -hmm. you know, if you have a chance, check that out. Um, yeah. She, they're actually, uh, they're, they're coal followers. Ah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> yep. They're, they're on coal space. They're some yep. of my favorite people on the planet. I mean, everything I've, I've learned about becoming a good human being, uh, Sue has been a huge part of that growth and development for me. So, I owe them the mm -hmm. world. Um, one song, since you're a DJ and I'm a DJ, and even sometimes we need a break from that. One song that you can listen to on for on repeat, over and over and over again. Ah, uh, um, who man? Because I kind of have one in, in different styles. Um, it's the hardest question to ask musicians. It really it, it's. Uh, I would say Radio Gaga by Queen, or. Uh, I love this one LTD song from back in the day. It's called back in love again. And it just has this amazing, amazing groove that you just music just doesn't have it today. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of stuck between it. I would say between the two of them. I mean, I have classical tunes and jazz tunes that I could say, but so if I'm having, I have a playlist and I, I use it with my kids too. It's like, I call it my, my cheer up playlist. If you're having a bad day, yeah. I have a playlist on my Spotify that I'll, you know, I try to show them that music can can turn your day around. Absolutely, you know? and that that's one of my tools in class. We use music all the time, yep. whether I'm DJing an event for for the fifth grade or putting together like a music video for the entire school. To me, that's mm -hmm. like my favorite tool in class to use. Yes, uh, it was called what stuck behind the groove. Which one? The LTD song. Oh, back in love again. Back in love again. Back in love again. Yeah, oh. it just has this amazing, amazing groove. There we go. That's <laughs> why I thought. That's why I got groove from. Um, and then this is my last one for you because, uh, you know, your your project speaks wonders. Um, if you can use one word, one favorite word to describe this whole journey, what would it be? Um. I want to say destiny. Um, I, I always joke and say that the stars aligned the day that this pup and I crossed our paths to be able to have an organically developed journey the way that we have. And it, it's not, none of this was ever planned out. None of this was ever, you know, as, as, as we grow and as we have new life experiences together in this project, it's ever evolving. And it's, it's getting progressively larger and larger. It seems like every day and, um, the, the stars definitely aligned, you know, the day that 
that this pup and I came across, but you know, we know that it's working in the way that it is in in our community. So it's uh we're we're definitely lucky. Absolutely. You know, and... Destiny is a fine word. I, I I've done this with a couple educators so far and there's a common thread where they can almost be synonyms where it'd be destiny or calling or mm-hmm. purpose. Uh, you know, this is, it's enlightening to hear. Um, and I'm very fortunate to be in such a great state with, uh, you know, an, a, a large wide variety of teachers who are doing great things above and beyond the four rooms of their classroom. Once again, thank you, Chris, for joining me here on the pedagogy podcast. Where can we find more information about team Cole? Uh, we have uh, all the social media, uh, Facebook, Cole the Deaf Dog, the Team Cole Project, same with Instagram, or we have a website, www.colethedeafdog.com. Awesome. Uh, one last message to any of your colleagues, your students, anyone who might be le- listening. This is your mic drop moment. Go ahead. Find your own way of promoting and spreading acceptance of anyone and everyone. Thank you that's, so that's much. That's where it's at. I appreciate it, Chris. On behalf of myself and you know the educators around the state and you know my hometown of Vineland, you're doing an amazing job. I'm very proud of you as a friend and as a colleague. Uh, want, you have my support, my help anytime you need me. And I want to just thank you for coming on our show today. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. And for our listeners, if you like what you heard, you're listening to the Pedagogy Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please share this uh, and uh, post this on your social media. And hopefully we'll have you back soon. So thanks again for listening. Chris, you have a great year and much luck to you in the future. And we'll leave you with a little back in love again.